Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast. In this episode, Professor Stearns is going to give us a question that he received in class, and we're all going to collaborate and answer it in our relative ways, because truth is relative, right? And uh, my truth is different than Tim's truth, and that's okay. That's right. I'm a god to myself, just like you are. Yeah. Wow, and we that used to... is a deep, <laughs> facetious sarcasm, because truth is objective. But <laughs> wow. before we do that, we have some thinklings business to tend, tend to. What in the world? Books and business. Let's talk about some books. Oh, yeah, that got out of hand real quick. <laughs> We're getting Ooh. squirrely. We've been here, been here a while. Well, I'll go ahead and start then since yeah. uh, I, I'm just going to mention that something that I'm listening to. Um, I'm listening to the Lord of the Rings. Amen. And so I won't go along because I know in, the, in this podcast, when the Lord of the Rings comes up, we have a tendency to go way longer than we expect. No, no, no comment there, but I will say this. Not alone. I am. <laughs> that was such a good quote. Such a good quote. I'm listening to. The not the Andy Circus edition. Mm-hmm. It's the older one by Rob Ingalls. That's what I have, and it is so good. But I'm I'm listening to it now. So remember, me and my kids, we read Hobbit, and so now we're listening when we drive, just when we drive places to the Lord of the Rings. Eventually, we're going to read it, but they just couldn't wait. And what I had to do is lower the speed to 0.7 because his accent and his words are hard. And what I notice is when I read, I would like use different words on the fly just so they could hear it. Yeah. But um, they're just loving it. I'm not sure why they like it so much. I'm trying to figure this out. But man, it's different in a good way. Wonder, it is really different in a good way. I wonder if they also love it because you love it. It could be. You love what, you know, you mm-hmm. love the thing in front of it. So, but our plan is to have them read it a couple of times and then watch the movies. And it's so different. Mm. Yep. I just keep noticing more and more differences. So that's all I was going to say is I, I'm, I'm on my second read through the fellowship. Listen, so second listen. I've only read it once and there's just a lot of differences. You're not alone. <laughs> you sure, you sure you don't want to take like five or six it. more minutes to talk about Go, that? Come on. Your turn. I don't, but, but why don't you give me your comments, Charlie? Sure. sure. <laughs> the Tolkien expert no. at the table. I wanted you to talk longer than me about it. And well, I like, I, ah! I'm holding everything back. It's very hard. Of course. There's just, I, I have less restraint. Well, I don't I don't know what to say. Like I really I like the movies, but I have to think of them as totally separate entities. Yep. Which I mean, this is old news by the time we're talking about it or you're hearing mm-hmm. this, but Warner Brothers announces there's going to oh be more Lord of the Rings oh. films and there's a deep fear that it's going to be remakes of the mm-hmm. Jackson trilogy, but we don't have to get into that. And nope. there's a beautiful meme where you have Boromir in his armor of Gondor and it says Lord of the Rings by Jackson. And then you have in his income, the father or whatever, and Denethor. that's Tolkien fans. And then Faramir is like the remakes. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that was good. That was so good. All right. That's anyway, all. So, uh, all I got. my book will hopefully be really quick, even though this is the time when mine is supposed to be a little longer, but it'll be quicker than my Lord of the Rings. One. <laughs> but your Lord of the Rings one was so good. Yeah. You, I'm you done. Know, when you're quoting Gimli, you just got to do it, you know? Anyway, <laughs> so the book here, we've mentioned it. I've mentioned it multiple times. Uh, Toward an Exegetical Theology by Walter Kaiser Jr. Uh, this is a book that I utilize in some of my classes. 
for very specific hermeneutical reasons. Now, we're theologically different than Kaiser. We have differences of opinion, of uh, different uh, understandings throughout the Bible. But what I really like about him is he very staunchly, every chapter, every genre is like, is that what the author intended? Boom. Like, it is... It's painful. I joke with the students that by the time you're done with it, you're going to be sick of it. Like if they get it all, you know, but like it's, oh, how do you, how do you do prophecy? Well, what was the author's point? Oh, how do you interpret poetry? Oh, uh, what was the author's point? How do you interpret biblical narrative? Oh, uh, what was the author's point? Like it's, it's authorial intent on like a mega dose. And that's why I like it. And, uh, he, he gives, I think are what are pretty succinct, uh, views and histories of what exegesis is, like its definition, its development, how hermeneutics has begun and developed over the last 100 or 150 years. So there's a nice historical component and there's a very practical component. And I don't think you can read the book honestly and come away with a flippant attitude when you approach the Word of God. And that's why I assign it, knowing that students are going to hate it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> But you can't get through it missing the point which is kaiser's point as the author Mm -hmm. which is that the author's point is the most important thing point so it's the point and if you go all the way back in the annals of thinklings podcast on episode number two Two. which was actually really episode one because the first one was just like a like let's make sure the microphones work type of thing (laughs) um we've come a long way (laughs) well have we yes (laughs) um We've, we've come up from the basement. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so that, that episode two was about authorial mm-hmm. intent. We, we've, we've mentioned this over and over, but that's where I think if you're, if you're wanting to get into Bible teaching or think through interpretation or epistemology, those theologies, uh, Kaiser is a really nice, uh, I think he intended it for like a, a early collegiate uh, time frame. It might be a little bit of an overshoot now in our modern uh, context for that, but it, it's a great book. I think I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a seven, uh, Ooh, yeah. just because I really like I trust his hermeneutical worldview. I know we disagree theologically on a lot of things, but I I really trust his hermeneutical worldview. We're pretty close to Kaiser theologically too. Yeah. I think it's just, he gets difference. a little wonky sometimes. Yeah, um, but I haven't read any. Uh, of his other, maybe does he have a book on Old Testament textual criticism? I don't think so. I, I don't think I've read anything else from Kaiser, yeah, uh, other than like internet article, like discussion y vibes, <laughs> like the not, not full books. And so, uh, that might be like a summer project. Is he's, mm. he's got some other good, I think the titles are intriguing. And so, yeah, Promise Plan of God is his Old Testament theology, which kind of didn't yeah. float it wasn't uh just kind of a anchor that sank to the bottom of the ocean and nobody hauled it back up to the seashore Wait, or whatever it was called promise theology the promise plan of god he saw a promise as the oh, theme e- through the old testament it was the epan like yeah, evangelical, evangelical. Mm-hmm. The, not not evangelical but epan like a promise right. the word for promise yeah yep. okay mm-hmm. oh i remember that nobody really picked up on that. that didn't latch on it didn't latch on he had an old testament ethics book one of the books i require in my ot sem class is uh toward uh toward rediscovering the old testament that's a good book hmm. uh, so he's written a lot probably one of my favorites is messiah in the old testament hmm. 
That and he's one. he's very thorough, and uh, he's quite brilliant. Uh, I think he's passed away now. If I'm no, I just looked him up. He's, he's eighty nine. Very he's old. born April eleventh, nineteen. No. 33 he's 89 do you think he knows what zoom is and if he oh, you should reach out to him Dude. he might actually get on our podcast with us seriously I was charlie thinking he'd come to my class oh zoom. well you can try that but no, we listen, should interview that'd him. be great uh uses reach of the out. old testament in the new this is a great book so yeah that's his a good whole one. single unified meaning issue he's like univocal meaning single unified meaning of scripture so okay. does isaiah seven fourteen have two fulfillments Double yeah. fulfillment. He's yeah. against a double fulfillment. He, he yep. is very careful there. No census planure. No census planure. Because <laughs> he, he he gets on this idea. He he talks about this in Toward an Exegetical Theology. If if there's something in the meaning of the text that the author didn't know, he gets into this like, could we as interpreters know what the author meant more than the author? Yes. See, and, and that's and, the and question. While you think that that's plausible and you could reason into that it comes with other interpretive problems mm -hmm. so that little idea um while it seems like we're splitting hairs when it gets to prophecy like messianic psalms and things like that uh, that opens the door for a lot of reader response yeah later modern yep. hermeneutical trends and so i i have that book on my shelf i have not read it yet um, tough questions from the Old Testament by Kaiser. We, we, we're gonna. Hey, uh, man, this we need to do a Kaiser. Doctor Kaiser, now. if you're listening to this, which I know you're not, <laughs> give me a call. So with that, a seven on the goodness scale toward an exegetical theology. The book I'm reading right now, actually, I just finished it. I'm gonna save uh, for uh, a more detailed review in the future. Uh, Beyond chapter and verse by Ken Casillas. I think that's how you say his last name. The Theology and Practice of Biblical Application. So uh, I've really enjoyed this book, and I'm looking forward to a fuller review. Probably one of my favorite sections was the legalism and Christian liberty section. A lot of people accuse others of being legalists, and they don't understand the term. I think we talked about that because uh, uh, um, there was a book we highlighted where the accusation of legalism was made against a view that I held and uh, I thought I found it illegitimate. Well, that's because you're a legalist. I know, him. exactly. And then I <laughs> really liked what he did here because he kind of goes to Boaz in the Old Testament and how Boaz was also a legalist. You know, Jesus was even a legalist. I mean, what's this whole thing about, you know, the Old well, Testament law just says, <clears throat> the Old Testament law just says not to commit adultery. So why is Jesus implying that that says something about your heart? And it doesn't say that. So, you know, anyway, how do we handle some of these... <laughs> applications of the old testament yep. why is paul citing this proverb or law about the ox not muzzling the ox as it treads out the grain and then saying that applies somehow to how you pay your pastor sounds like a legalistic thing he's reading something into the old yep. testament passage that's not really there or maybe our idea of applications a little bit off Anyway, so it was kind of a fun read. That's what I'm going to be talking about here in the future. And that's it. What? Can I, I was going to add to that. So like we, we did it when we were talking about Kaiser and you just kind of skirted it again. Uh, I see this in my, we should have Doug Brown, Dr. Doug Brown come and talk about this because he is an expert on this. But when we have something like that, where a New Testament author is employing or utilizing an Old Testament text, uh -huh. there are multiple ways they could be employing it uh -huh. 
how a new, the New Testament uses the Old Testament. Sure. And how they apply it. D.A. Carson has a landmark book on it. Mm-hmm. Like Cassius is is interacting with that. That's like his main point of the book. And, and it's not as if every time a New Testament author is quoting it, he's saying, that's what that passage meant. Right. Sometimes he means that. Sometimes it's symbolic. Sometimes it's like, uh, it's not always the exact same use. And so I have students bring that up and it's like, that's a huge field of study that mm-hmm. takes someone decades to study and think through. And we're not going to answer that question in the middle of a 45 minute class period. <laughs> Punt. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're exactly you're right. Punting. And I'm like, I could give you some great book recommendations mm-hmm. on it. You could read about mm-hmm. that. I've never had someone take me up. But you already don't like Kaiser. (laughs) If you don't like Kaiser, you're not going to like D.A. Carson's New Testament use of the old. Right. Yeah. I mean, just Uh, the two second answer, Ephesians chapter one would be one passage where Paul prays that the believers would have spiritual wisdom and Mm -hmm. understanding. Well, what is that? That they might understand how to apply the Old Testament or just the Bible, the Bible to their lives. And it takes wisdom, spiritual wisdom, something about the spirit and some of the other things that we've talked about. So it's like the two second answer. Um, and yeah, we should talk about that further. In Sweet. The well, speaking of the Bible, Tim, I like the Bible. Andy, professor Stearns has a question <laughs> for us about the Bible. So in, in this one class I teach, um, I ask the students for questions and they give me questions. And then as we have time, we'll like stop and talk about those questions. And the topic of the class is the Christian life. So like, how do you live? It's essentially salvation's doctrine and then sanctification, but then mixed into there is just a whole lot of like, Hey, how do you do this? And one of the questions that I received recently was what is the best Bible reading plan? So I thought that might be worth us discussing. I've got some thoughts. Um, but we've talked, I think on our podcast, we always try to be in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And we hold the Bible up really, really high. Charlie, when we were going through discipleship question, we were in Second Corinthians, beholding the glory of the Lord. You were yep. applying that to, hey, we need to be in the word of God. Mm-hmm. Tim, a while back, you did Job 28. And in there, you said you fear the Lord and obey his commandments. Mm-hmm. And so you were talking about being in the word. Yeah. So I do think, and I would say that the, the school that we teach at, the sco- students are told regularly they need to be in the word. Um, and oftentimes they're told you have to be in the word every day. So I think there are students who want to do that. It's like they want to get in the word every day and they're trying to figure out how. And so what do you guys think? Like, what do you, what kind of Bible reading plans do you use? What does it look like? I can tell you, I can start, or if you want to start, it doesn't matter. Like you got thoughts or you want me to dive in? Uh, I do have thoughts. Go for it. Um, how many thoughts should I start with? Start, give us a thought. Give us a girthy thought. I'll give you a girthy thought and I'll, I'll even, (laughs) I'll attach to that girthy thought, uh, a sub idea, which the reason why I think second Corinthians 318, you should be thinking about the word of God is that the law is called a mirror Mm -hmm. in James. And that is the same illustration of the term in second Corinthians, which I don't think we got into that in that episode, but that's a similar idea. If you do hold like a completed Canon view at the end of first Corinthians, mirrors are also brought up there. Mm -hmm. You look into it, um, and you behold something and you don't forget what you look like. And so anyway, that's why I would say that my first thought 
is what is your goal? Mm. Yes. This is what I was hoping you'd say. So <laughs> I would tell Perfect. someone if someone's goal is to learn theology versus to, I don't already don't like what I'm about to say, as opposed to like just devotional, like simple mm-hmm. growing yeah. as if theology is antithetical to devotions. Against, I know. It's but so if, dumb. if it's like a college student studying the word with a very specific purpose versus I'm a new believer and I just want to learn the basics or, you know, I've been a believer for 30 years and, you know, I would say, what's your goal and, and what have you been doing already would be kind of my first question. So, you know, in a very Christian way, we answer questions with other questions. Okay. So then, so then for you to answer that question, you'd have to, you'd have to give me your goal when you're getting into mm. the word. Yeah. So do you have a answer for that? Or do you want a moment to ponder? Uh, I, I could give an answer, but I also want to give. Oh, okay. That's good. Tim an, uh, so I like to, that. To get the, get the dialogue good. rolling. Tim, you got thoughts? Otherwise I'll dive in. On the goal. So. Hmm. Or just what's the best Bible I don't like the word best. Plan. I always tell people, people ask me, what's the best translation? What's the best blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you don't get into the word. That's what you need to do. Um, I'd say, <laughs> I don't. Listener, if you could have seen his face, you don't get into the word. Just what's read the it. best way to do it? Just, just read the, what's the do it. What's the best translation? The one that you're going to read. So go Except get it the and message. read it. There you go. <clears throat> I, I can enjoy the message. I, Stop I it. Stop. We can talk about that there's sometimes. A, there's, a use, there's a use for it. As a commentary and a not good one. Uh-huh. Sorry, we can't talk about that. I'll get too too into it. Okay, so uh, the best Bible reading plan. I don't really have a Bible reading plan. I kind of read through a book. Actually, I often listen to a book. Uh, I find more spiritual nourishment not through reading as much as studying. Uh, it's one reason why I do a little Hebrew. Uh, I don't get many people that listen to it, but I would have noticed is that it forces me to study through a text that I've not worked through. It's very easy to get stale in the academy because I'm constantly teaching and reteaching the same texts. Those same texts do provide spiritual nourishment for me, so it's not like that's completely dry, but I want to keep learning. I want to keep studying. And through the meditation on God's Word, think Psalm 1, Okay. Often I find my Bible reading in the morning is not very meditative. Whereas when I'm forced to study through a text, I have to meditate on it. I have to think about Mm -hmm. it. And I find it more spiritually nourishing than just a Bible reading uh, plan. So um, think through too, you know, the component of prayer when you think through of a Bible reading plan and drawing close to God. A prayer was the more common way in the ancient world where people drew near to the Lord. And so prayer, if you're talking to God, shouldn't be mumbling and jumbling, but it should be meditative and intentional. So you're thinking. Um, so anyway, those are some initial thoughts. Gets okay. into the goal. Okay. And it kind of maybe even twists the conversation in a different direction. So I think uh, when you think through Bible reading, Usually that, that, that is attendant to two other terms that we commonly use for our daily time in God's word, either quiet time or devotions. And I would say that I'm not opposed necessarily to either of those, but personally I've made a shift. So when I think of my Bible reading, I call it Bible intake. Because for me, the analogy is that the Bible is like food. So that's been, after teaching intro to Bible study for 10 like years... It. 
I always end with the, here's my final plea to you on how to view the Bible. And I think the Bible, it's like nourishment, it's food. So do you, do you eat all your food for the week on Sunday? Nope. You would explode. Or even if you did it, <clears throat> it wouldn't, it would pass through you without nourishing you. And so sometimes when you pick a Bible reading plan and you read it really, really, really like large amounts, it, it's like eating all your food for the week in one day. But other times uh, I'll go, I might skip a meal and I don't, I mean, if you see me, you know this, but I don't die if I skip a meal. In fact, if I fast for a day, I'm, I'm not going to die, but at my body needs nourishment. So I, th I find it helpful to think of Bible reading every day as a nourishment, nourishment moment. So how am I being nourished? And then I would echo what you said, Tim, when I was, uh, growing up, I had this, this, I don't know what to call it. Pietistic, like emotive, mystical view of the Bible. Like I would read the Bible in my daily devotions and mm -hmm. God would like come down and speak to me. And so I always aimed at that and my Bible reading time or my devotions or my quiet time, I would have said it was like hit or miss. It wouldn't succeed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then when something doesn't work, you quit. Yeah. And so that kind of gets to an important or an interesting thought. It's like, is there something special about a devoted time early in the day where I read it. And if it, if it is, and I gotta be careful how I say this, cause I do have a very high view of scripture, but if that was the case, then why do we memorize it? Because if you memorize it and you recite it, that's not reading. So if that was true, morning reading is what I have to do well, why do you memorize it? And that brings in an interesting historical point, which is that for the overwhelming majority of history, yep. the average person did not have a copy to read. Right, which is why I brought up the whole prayer thing. But mm -hmm. so part of what I was whatever I was going with that, and this is going to dovetail very nicely, is so I would be trying to read my chapter a day, or my five minutes a day, or my. Uh, at one point I tried professor Grant Horner's Bible reading plan, which is 10 chapters a day. And like, you, you cut 10 bookmarks up and you put them in your Bible and places. And, and, uh, it was really cool. If you can do it, Tra Chally's did it for like a couple of years or something, but I would, sometimes it wouldn't work, work air quotes there. Okay. Yep. But then I found I'm prepping to teach my young marriage and engaged couple Sunday school class. And I'm trying to really understand the passage because these are adults, my age, it's not like little kids. And I would be digging into a passage for two hours to prep. And I would notice that the things I was aiming at with my quiet time didn't happen then. But when I was getting academic and I couldn't figure now what it is, is I'm meditating and studying the text. Suddenly I'm seeing relevance to my life. I'm seeing how it helps me. So when I think through a plan, you're asking about the purpose. I think most people are aiming at that thing I was just talking about. Yeah. It, it's the... I want to say transformation, but you've been talking about transformation differently, but like personal application, connection to relevance yeah. to life, the mm -hmm. spirit convicting you, what, and whatever that, whatever word would satisfy that. Okay. So man, words are fun. I know they are, aren't they? It's like Venn diagram enjoyment. So I think for me, like a Bible reading plan, you have to, when you ask the purpose, it's like, what are you trying to accomplish with your Bible intake? So sometimes I eat a wonderful meal to delight in the meal because it's so tasty. I grill up a steak. I make mashed potatoes. But other times I eat something healthy like a salad with chicken because that's what my body needs. Um, 
So I ran across an article a while back by Tim Challies. Friend of the podcast. I knew he was going to say it, so I had to wait. And he said that when he thinks through Bible reading, he, th- he says there's two sides, there's two spectrums. So the one side is you read to get really familiar. You read for familiarity. And the other time type is you read for intimacy. And this helped me a lot to think through. So before we even answer what's a good plan, I'm going to, I'm going to give a plan recommendation. This has helped me. So listener, if you don't have a pattern of reading the Bible regularly, when you begin, you should understand like what you're trying to accomplish. So he told us, I think he either said this on the podcast or he told us this after we were chatting with him once. And it goes along with this essay he wrote that for familiarity, he actually listens through the Bible every year and he listens in the morning and he listens to like a large section. So he has like a one year Bible reading plan. But he said what he does is he he only does that to make himself very familiar with the Bible. Um, But if he wants to grow in his walk with God, he wants to see where he needs to be challenged, he wants to see where sin is, then he has other ways of doing that. And I think that's the personal study thing. So have you ever gotten into your Bible reading plan? I've tried this one Bible reading plan multiple times, and I can't get through all the chapters it wants me to every day. Because I will sit down and 35 minutes later, I've only gone three verses because I'm doing my Bible study stuff. Yeah. And so I think like your question about purpose, Charlie, is fundamental. Like, what are you trying to accomplish in your discipline of Bible reading? Yeah. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give a, an actual suggestion and then I'm going to give like a, like, I guess actual, I mean, literal, like I'm going to give you like, Mm -hmm. Hey, do this, but I'm actually going to do like a cop out answer first, like Tim. And I really like the, I like the illustration that you gave of like food, Mm -hmm. but I, I think it fits well just using like the health or fitness idea in general is that just just for a moment, it's not the Bible. It's not mm-hmm. reading the Bible. It's reading. And if you're like, I'm going to sit down and read 300 pages a day, and you're going from zero, <laughs> exactly. guess what's going to happen? Yes. You'll make it a day, maybe, and then you're going to stop. And so that's why I think the goal is important, mm-hmm. because it helps you frame your expectations a little yes. bit. Like You're not just going to go zero to 60 because change is progressive. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the cop-out answer, very similar to Tim's, is the best bi- the best Bible reading plan is the plan you're going to stick to. Yep. I agree. And I can remember early on as a believer, I was like, hey, I'm going to read. I'm going to read for an hour every morning. And I had a kind mentor in my life say, no, you're not. <laughs> Just and they, and they said, And they said, why don't you start with five minutes? Yeah. Yep. And I was like, that's demeaning. You know, like, no, I need to, I, I'm super passionate in this moment, big sweeping declaration. I'm going to do this. And guess what? They were right. Like, you're not, you're not going to do that. If you're now, maybe over time you develop that mm-hmm. you your affections change. Sure. That's, I'm not saying it's wrong to do that, but be realistic. The best Bible reading plan is the mm-hmm. one you will stick to. Uh, if you're a newer believer, I would encourage you to broaden out in reading the passages that your pastor has been preaching from. Mm-hmm. So great, if your pastor, like advice. my pastor is currently mm-hmm. preaching through the book of Acts, if I wanted to expand out my devotional or my dedicated Bible reading or intake time, I think a great place to start would be, why don't you spend more time meditating on the passages that your pastor mm-hmm. has been shepherding you through on Sundays? That would be a great place to start. I also uh, think if you've never done it before, reading through either 
a Bible in a year plan mm-hmm. or a chronological Bible reading plan are great options because they help you get a different aspect as you go through at a different pace or a different, um, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, you, you get, gives you, you variety. There's yeah. a little variety yep. of perspective. Yep. Like when you do it chronologically, you're not doing it like Genesis to Revelation. You're doing it by the time of when events happen and things, which is a unique thing. Um, and then doing a Bible in a year, it's just uh, the pacing of it is. But I often find the same thing that when I do that, I feel pressured to get the thing done yes. and I miss the point. Yep. And so, uh, you know, there's nothing special about uh, special or spiritual about I read a Bible and the Bible in a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in high school, actually through this youth group, we got into this thing. It was called read the Bible in 90 days and you oh, are like that. blitzing through it. That's it's, hard. I don't want to say it's a waste of your time, but God doesn't want you to read the Bible. Like he wants you to learn it and apprehend it, mm-hmm. to observe it, meditate, and it, on, it, meditate yes. on it. He wants you to dig it out. Like it's this gold in the mine, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Like, so I, I, speed, like, I don't understand the aspect of speed. Uh, I think Bible that reading. if you know the Bible well, the speed can be good. Sure. So I get more yeah. out of Bible yep. passages that I've already studied if I read them. But anyway. And I would say, so a couple, I don't know, we could go back on our calendar there, but we had a whole episode on biblical meditation. Yeah. And I can't remember when that was. It was maybe last season where we just looked at words for meditation. And I would say that, uh, when you're thinking of the purpose of Bible reading, the commands that come over and over and over are to meditate, to memorize, to hide in your heart God's word. And so I would say uh, episode 112, Biblical Meditation in the Old Testament. I would I would say that probably the goal, and that's where I think the when you when you're studying the Bible and it's changing you, it's doing something in you, I think that's much closer to the biblical command for meditation. And I don't think that that always goes along with reading seven chapters in a sitting. However, if your goal is, I'm just not familiar with the Bible Mm -hmm. or I'm overly familiar with the world and Mm -hmm. I need a big dose to like get my mind centered. I think those things are good. So here's a plan I'll recommend, but I would say with a caveat, caveat, caveat. So there's a plan out there called the five day Bible reading plan. It's wonderful. It's designed to get you through the Bible in one year, reading five days a week. So that way you have two makeup days, but I just use it and I read as much as I want. And so I've got a little, little list here that I folded up in my little journal and I'm just going through, I'm way behind what it's pacing is, but what it does is it sort of takes the thinking work out of what do I read today? I don't always follow it, but if I, if I need something, I got it right there. Um, and I remember there's a couple of benefits. So I was going through Samuel a while back and Saul had just messed up and offered that unlawful sacrifice before Samuel arrived. Mm. And there's some phrasing, I should have looked it up ahead of them. That was dumb of me not to, where he said something like, if only you would have been careful to obey the Lord. And I remember thinking careful to obey the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, in the new Testament era where I know my sins are forgiven and I know that whatever I do can be forgiven by the Lord. I don't think I think that way about my sins often enough that I need to be careful to obey. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy it, language. Yeah, it is. And I Here. think that I I would say that today it's good for me to get into the Old Testament mm-hmm. regularly. And so th- that kind of a plan is kind of like eating your vegetables. Like 
I'm not naturally going to gravitate toward the veggies. I'm going to gravitate toward the meat, potatoes, and actually just the dessert table. But I think like a plan can give you a balanced biblical diet. That's what I would say. And so faith has a one-year Bible reading plan mm-hmm. where it's it's like, what, two, three chapters a day? It's not. Ish. Yeah. It's, not, it's not heavy. It's mm-hmm. not heavy. But I know another person who they went through a Bible reading plan and it took them four years, but it was getting through a plan. So I like your answer, Tim. It's whatever Bible reading plan you have in front of you. But I would say that whatever you pick – ask yourself, like, am I trying to be overly familiar with the Bible? I'm trying to really understand the text, like know the, uh, the, the layout. Okay. Then, then read a plan and get through it quick and go through the whole Bible. But if you're trying to like learn certain things or see what's going on inside of you, you may slow down and that's okay. But probably consistency, I would say no matter what consistent intake would be the best. What do you guys think about that? Any final thoughts? That's really my yeah. main idea right now I am in Deuteronomy so I'll just pick a book of the Bible and then listen through it I might pick a, a section of the Bible like the a few minor prophets or something if when they're smaller books and then I'll often alternate between Old and New Testament um, I've, I've recently done more New Testament just because I realized my focus on the Old Testament all the time my New Testament knowledge was starting to fade might we say isn't that careful? Isn't that horrendous? But anyway, so um, that's where I'm like, you know what? You need to, just need to do it and uh, get into the Word on a regular basis. Uh, but again, sometimes that's just me listening to the text and then reading it, and I struggle getting something out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some people who are trusting only in that, uh, what I would really recommend, and that's what we're trying to really promote on this podcast, is do it with somebody. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Get a honestly young man, get another young man yep. and the two of you hold one another accountable, study through a text together, mm-hmm. have a Bible study together. Uh, that's, that's like, uh, where you can truly, um, sharpen one another and grow in your knowledge of God and then your love of the Lord. And it gives you something to meditate on day and night. Mm-hmm. And we've, and we've done that mm-hmm. on this podcast. Yeah. And I have, I have so many fond memories of, uh, in student life where like there was a while we were just like whoever showed up the next meeting, it was the next Psalm. And so there was a while where like someone would show up and it'd be like, Hey, I'm glad you're here. Let's spend about 20 minutes yeah. and let's read Psalm 18. It, it just, whatever was the next one. Right. And let's try to think through what it means. We'll do that for about 20 minutes and then we'll, and we'll talk about everything else. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, and I mean, I didn't know what was going on. Like it was like, okay, here's some commentaries and here's our Bibles and, let's read it and think about it and pray. And, and then we move, we, and that, that's fun. I don't, I don't know if maybe that's not fun to you, then, uh, you know, I, think I found that even people who think that that's boring or uninteresting at the beginning, once they actually do it, they've, they've actually enjoyed it. And they're Almost like, wow, like that the was better. mind is connected mm. to the affections. Yeah. yeah about yep. that. <sighs> and I would say, <clears throat> um, the thing that, sort of really slowed down my Bible reading plan that sort of wrecked my ability to go super fast was teaching introduction to Bible study. Because in that class, I've learned all these things that I can see and look for. And now I would say like any passage I go to, I'm very comfortable and be able to pull out what's the application. So for some of you, your Bible reading 
plan that you're following could be improved by learning some skill in reading the Bible. So let's just go ahead and we're going to end just by reading the first couple verses of Psalm 1. Okay. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So believer, remember that what you're attempting to do should be to get into God's word and delight in it. And should be to get into your God's word and meditate on it throughout the day. So whatever plan you pick, whatever method you use to regularly feed yourself on God's word, make sure that you're delighting in that word. And that you are meditating on it, not just when you're reading it, but throughout the day as you pray and praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.